Glad you are here this morning. Psalm 122 and verse 1. We're going to have a mini sermon before the sermon. Psalm 122 and verse 1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so the mini sermon is this. Did you come here because you were glad that this was the chance to come to the house of the Lord? Or was this a duty that I have to do because people will know if I'm not there, and if I'm not there, somebody's going to think bad of me, and I don't want people to think bad of me. So the mini-sermon is, I hope you're glad that you came here to the house of the Lord. I hope you looked forward to this, and not just, well, we got to get up in the morning, and we got to go to church again, and, and we got to do our part, and then we'll, we can go home and take our nap, and then... We may or may not come again tonight and so on. So the mini-sermon mini is, I hope you're glad you're here this morning. And I hope you're glad when you leave this morning because you were edified in worshiping God. Favorite movie. Now I'm going to preface this with Romans chapter 14. I hope there's not water cooler talk about Kirk anytime after this. Can you believe what he said his favorite movie was? Unbelievable. That's not the best movie ever. When it's your sermon or your speech, you get to choose what you think is the best movie, and that's okay. I may not like it, but you might. This that I'm going to talk about today is without a shadow of a doubt the best movie ever for me. You may not agree. That's okay. Romans 14 covers all that stuff. You can study that later. Favorite movie. Be thinking about your favorite movie. Now, we got young kids in here, and we got old kids in here. You grew up in different times, so your movie choices are going to be different. Maybe you're thinking of this movie. This is top five, by the way. Remember the Titans is top five. Remember the Titans. Herman Boone, football coach, takes over. A lot of racial tension in that movie. The whites and the blacks, they get together and they, they go through some hard times and, 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 and they develop this football team that goes undefeated. It's a true story, by the way. If you haven't seen this movie, you need to see this movie. It's a true story of T.C. Williams High School that goes, a team goes undefeated. The, 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 the white players and, and the black players finally accept each other, most of them. Some of them get dismissed from the team, but they come together and they go undefeated in the season. And one of the greatest, one of the greatest lines from that movie is attitude reflects leadership, Captain. Does your attitude reflect who your leader is? It does. So does it say who your leader is? Okay, now these other two movies I got up here I can't talk about because I haven't seen either one of them. All right? We know what this movie is. Frozen. I know, I know this song, let it, let it, let it. I don't even know the song. Let it be or something, I don't know. Frozen. I guess it's a good movie, I've never seen it. But maybe you're thinking the best movie ever, depending on how old or how young you are, is Frozen. Maybe you're thinking this movie. I've never seen this movie. I hear back in the day it was, it was a really good movie. Never seen it, can't tell you about it, but Gone with the Wind. Okay, so maybe you're thinking of something totally different than those three movies. And that's okay too. But I'm here to, to suggest to you today 
that the greatest movie ever was Rocky 1. Now we're going to talk about Rocky 1 through 6 because that's the greatest top six movies of all time. Rocky 1, Rocky 2. It doesn't go in order. Rocky 3 was not the third greatest movie of all time. I think Rocky 3 is, Rocky 3 is probably sixth in the list. But Rocky, and, and my wife right now is probably rolling her eyes. Oh my God. Every time that movie comes on, he watches that movie. He's seen it a million times, but every time, it doesn't matter where it is in the movie, he stops on that channel and watches that movie. And then he sits there and he quotes the thing the whole time. He doesn't even listen to it anymore. And that's true because Rocky is the greatest movie ever. And if you don't agree, that's okay. That's okay. That's not a problem with me. It used to be a problem with me, but that's okay. Rocky, most of you know this movie. Um, when I was younger, I actually had a, I had a book and it, and it had illustrations in it and, and it was Rocky one and Rocky two. And, and I don't know what happened to that book, but I wish I had it because it would probably be pretty valuable today. But I think there's some spiritual applications in all of these movies, the Rocky series. Now, we're not talking Creed or any of that stuff. That's, that's, not, that's not about Rocky. That's about somebody else. So we're going to start with the first movie, Rocky, the original movie. And it came out uh, 1980 or 81, I think. But this is about a guy. Uh, you know, some of you know this. Sylvester Stallone plays this unknown fighter. He, he's just kind of this, this bum fighter that, that fights every now and then, and you know, he makes maybe 50 bucks or something like that. But in this movie, he gets this once-in-a-lifetime shot from the champion. And if you haven't seen this movie, I'll try not to give too much away, but he gets this once-in-a-lifetime shot to fight this champion. This champion has this idea of, you know, we'll give this guy and they go through a series of, of, of picking out individuals and they pick out Rocky, uh, Sylvester Stallone's character, um, as this, just basically this bum fighter. And we're gonna give him this chance, once in a lifetime shot to fight the champion. So Rocky gets this and he goes through a bunch of stuff and, and he starts thinking, this is impossible. I don't wanna do this. There's no way I can fight this guy. This is impossible. I can't win this fight. I cannot beat this opponent. And so he starts believing that he's not good enough to get this shot. And so that's a, that's a pretty quick synopsis of Rocky 1. Now how does that apply to Scripture? Well, I'm going to suggest Moses believed he wasn't good enough. I'm going to suggest Moses thought in his own mind he couldn't say the right words and he couldn't do the right things to lead the people where God wanted to lead him. And he ultimately led the people to the promised land. Turn in your Bible, if you will, to Exodus chapter 4. And if you didn't bring a Bible, I would encourage you to look this up later. It'll be online on our Facebook page. But Exodus chapter 4, I think we see here that Moses explained that he didn't think he was good enough. So in chapter 4 of Exodus, verse 1 says, Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Suppose they don't believe me. Rocky didn't believe in himself. There was a bunch of other people that didn't believe in him either. They didn't think he had a chance either. Skip down to verse 10 of Exodus chapter 4. 
says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And I think this is a great illustration because if you know the Rocky character, he was slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he even admits in a couple of the different movies that, that his brain doesn't work like it should. And so I think we see Moses here as a great example of somebody that didn't believe they were good enough, but they got this unbelievable shot to be the leader of the people and take them to the promised land. What is your once-in-a-lifetime shot? We get one chance in life to be baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins and live a faithful life to make it to heaven one day. I suggest Jonah, too. We've talked about Jonah quite a bit lately uh, with Brother Doug's lessons. But if you turn over to the book of Jonah, I think there's some, some illustrations that can be found here as well. Jonah, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says, now the, Lord, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I'm also going to read the prayer that, that, that Jonah prays in chapter 2. But we know the story. Jonah didn't think uh, Nineveh could be saved. He, he didn't believe that Nineveh could be saved. He thought it was impossible. This was an impossible mission. Why do I have to go here to do this? And so... Let's read chapter 2, Jonah's prayer. I love, I love this prayer here, and again, we've studied all this, but I want to go through it again. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth was with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out, vomited Jonah onto dry land. So I think we see here again that we have two pretty good examples of people that thought it was impossible that they weren't good enough. Maybe that's you. It was Rocky in the movie. Maybe that's you. Maybe you think. Man, I've done so much stuff so bad, there's no way the Lord could use me. It's impossible. I don't know enough about Scripture to reach a lost soul. That's impossible. Maybe this is you. Maybe you are you're having these thoughts in your head about, I can't do this. I can't lead a class. I can't teach a class. Um, I can't help somebody else in the congregation. I can't reach out to people. I can't lead singing. I can't give a sermon. I can't, whatever. 
Maybe you're having these self-doubt thoughts and you're believing that nothing you can do is good enough. But we know that that's not the end of the story with Rocky and we know that's not the end of the story with us. So that brings us to Rocky 2. Rocky 2, he gets a, a rematch against the champion. Now at the end of Rocky 1, he said, there ain't going to be no rematch. And the champion said there ain't going to be no rematch any, either. And Rocky's like, I don't want a rematch. And, and so as they go through the movie, he kind of changes his mind. He thinks, man, I, I, I went 15 rounds with this guy. <clears throat> I wasn't even supposed to have a chance, but I get another shot at him. And so Rocky gets another shot. He is more confident, he's more hungry, and he's more strengthened. He now knows what he needs to do, and he works even harder. So now he starts believing a little bit in himself, and he starts getting a taste of it, and he starts getting a little more hungry and a little more strengthened. And eventually he conquers the opponent this time. Well, I'm going to suggest that David was very similar. David only had one shot at Goliath. He didn't have a rematch with Goliath. That was impossible considering Goliath's head was severed from his body. But David was confident and strengthened by the Lord. In 1 Samuel 17, if you'll flip over there, this is the story that we know so well of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, I'm going to read verse 37. It says, Moreover, David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And so I wonder sometimes if David, if he wouldn't have been delivered from, from the bear and the lion, if he would have had the confidence and the strength that he needed to go battle this great giant. And I believe that he was strengthened by the Lord. I believe he had the confidence that this will happen because, look, it's already happened. And so in a sense, I think there's a, a, a similar rematch here. He, he's been with a bear and a lion. He's conquered them. And now he has, a, has this other foe that, that comes up in front of him. And, and we know the story that, that, that he conquered Goliath. But also, what about Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, we, ourselves, should be confident. We should be hungry. We should be strengthened by the Lord to go and share the message that He's commanded us to share to the lost. He, he's not going to leave us alone. He's, he said that. He's given us the strength through His Word here. He's given us the avenue of prayer to get that strength. He's given us fellow saints to, to get that strength from. But if, you're, if you are believing as Rocky won right now, if you're believing, I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, I can't do this, think about this right here. Think about what we just talked about where you can gain that strength, where you can gain that confidence. Joel was talking this morning in class and he, and he said, you know, he was nervous and uh, um, in leading the class and, and the thought that popped in my head was you know we all are but the more you do it the easier it becomes or supposedly is what they say um, and so I think 
the more we visit others, the more we talk to others about Christ, the more opportunities in, in conversation that we find to bring up Scripture with others, the easier it gets, the more confident we get, the more hungry we get to, to do that again. And so I believe like Rocky too, if we, if we build that, that confidence and that strength, we will conquer the opponent as well uh, in our own lives. That brings us to Rocky three. As I said, probably, probably not the third best, probably later in the series, but it's in line with, with Rocky one through six. And so Rocky comes up against Clubber Lang, played by, played by the famous Mr. T. Um, Rocky had been, after he won the title in, in Rocky two, he, he started uh, fighting a lot of different fighters and, and there's a theory with his manager that some of those fighters maybe weren't championship material fighters. Almost, almost like, like bums that his manager had, had purposely set him up for uh, to continue to win the title. But he gets complacent in what he's doing um, and he falls in this movie due to lack of hunger, lack of fire. So Rocky II, he had it. And then Rocky III, he's lost it, and now he has this new opponent that overpowers him because he got complacent and because he lacked preparation. And so we see here in the movie Rocky III that um, you know, he had other things on his mind. The first fight with Clubber Lang, uh, his manager uh, had a heart attack at the beginning of that fight, and so he was worried about him, and he still tried to go fight the opponent. His mind wasn't in the right place. Uh, along with these things, his mind wasn't in the right place. And so he lost to that opponent. And so he had to kind of redefine himself in that movie and kind of refigure out, okay, what are my priorities? And he had to develop that hunger again. And, and this is where we get the, 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 the famous song that a lot of people listen to um, from, from Rocky III, Eye of the Tiger. Um, and so his, he had to get that, that, that feeling back of, I'm hungry, I, I'm, I'm on fire to do this, if you will. I think from that, we can learn some things as well. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. We gotta be hungry to seek first the kingdom. If we lose that hunger to seek first the kingdom, we get complacent and we stop doing what we're supposed to be doing. Titus 2, 14, I wanna read that from scripture. Titus 2, 14, if you'd flip over there. You know, one of the things that, that bothers me about myself is is I see some of these other denominations and some of these other, other faiths that people are trying to promote. And these people are so zealous, you know, they're, they're walking up to complete strangers trying to talk to them. Or, in some cases, they're willing to blow themselves up because they're so zealous for their, for their beliefs or whatever it is. And so Titus 2.14, that word zealous appears here. It says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. The fire to do what we're supposed to do. The fire to do good works. The fire to help other people. If we lose that, or if we never have it, then we fall due to that lack of fire, due to that lack of preparation, due to that lack of hunger. So, we need to heed the words of 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And basically paraphrasing that, uh, you know, take heed, you think you stand, you're going to fall. And so Rocky, in Rocky 3, he, he thought, you know, I got this, I'm the champ, 
I'm, I'm beating all these opponents and, and nobody can beat me and, and I've got everything going for me. I used to be poor in this neighborhood, now I got this big mansion and, and everything is great. But he started getting complacent and started getting lazy and he fell. And so I think these, these three scriptures here, we need to be very careful and think about these constantly. We need to seek first the kingdom of God with everything we have, zealousness included. We need to be zealous for good works, doing good works to help others. And we need to be careful. We think we've made it. We think we're on top of everything because then we're going to get shown that we're not. And that's what happened in Rocky 3. So moving on, Rocky 4. Uh, this, is, this is kind of a turning point in, in the series uh, for me, and I'll point that out in a little bit. But, but Rocky IV becomes the, the famous USA versus Russia uh, atmosphere. And so in Rocky IV, this, this, he, he gets done beating uh, Clubber Lang, and, and this Russian comes in, this Ivan Drago guy comes in. And he's this great big guy. He works on all these machines. He's, they're, they're testing his blood constantly, and, and he's just this robotic type fighter. This new trial comes along, and he challenges um, Rocky, and Rocky's wife says, no, my husband's retired. He's not going to fight anymore. And so Rocky's best friend, at, at, which was one time his greatest opponent, Apollo Creed, says, I'll fight you in this exhibition match. And so the trial uh, challenges Rocky's friend, this Ivan Drago, he challenges Rocky's friend. And then um, so Rocky sees what's happening and, and he tries to, tries to help his friend. He tries to, to help train his friend. At first he tries to talk his friend out of it because he says, you haven't fought in so many years. Now you're going to go fight this guy. He's like this, this, this super bred uh, robotic fighter that's bigger and stronger than everybody else. And you're going to go try to fight him. But then he, helps try, he tries to help uh, train his friend and so on. So I think we see some things here from this. Each of us is going to have different trials come along. We're going to conquer a trial, and then a new trial is going to come along. I might conquer a trial, and then somebody else has that trial come to them that's new for them, or vice versa. Um, those trials challenging our friends are going to put us in a situation at some point. We kind of talked about this in Bible class. It's going to put us in a situation at some point where we need to be willing to help our brothers and sisters. We need to be willing to help the fellow saints in, 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 in what they need and, and maybe just getting strength from them. And so there's a couple verses that we want to read uh, from here. We'll start with Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so we see there that we're supposed to take on the struggles that, our friend, that, that one another has, and we're supposed to help them and fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 13, verse 16 says, But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And we think of the word share when we're all little, and we're taught that word share, it relates to our toys. You need to share your toys with other people. But I think the, the, the point that we miss there, which we often talk about, is sharing time with other people. And we see there that, that God is pleased with that sacrifice. And then we go to John 15. John 15, verse 12, familiar. 
This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No need to explain that any further. Pretty self-explanatory there. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 13. It says, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. And the headline above that in my Bible says, behaving like Christians. And so are we giving of our time? Are we, are we in a place where we help our friends, our family, our, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ with the strength that they need because we're all going through different trials in our lives and we don't know what each other's going through, but if we would take the time to be with each other and to talk to each other and to open up to each other than we would and we would be able to strengthen each other that much more. So Rocky IV ends up, um, Rocky's uh, attitude ends up, he ends up fighting the Russian um, and, and he ends up beating the Russian and, and his attitude gets all the Russians on his side. And then we go to Rocky V. Um, he comes back this time again, uh, retired, he's done fighting supposedly, and he, he, he goes to mentor uh, this young fighter, uh, Tommy Gunn, um, actor that was actually from Benita. So he goes to mentor this younger fighter. This younger fighter kind of hounds him a little bit. First he says, no, I don't want nothing to do with you. And the guy stays after him, stays after him. And so um, he, he starts mentoring, tries to teach him, tries to mold him. Um, one of the things Rocky always talks about is fear. Uh, and he talks about uh, fear uh, being this little thing on your shoulder and you need to use it in the appropriate way uh, and not let it own you. So he talks to, to Tommy Gunn about that as he tries to teach him and mold him. But he gets him rolling where, where he needs to be and then this other promoter comes along, Duke Kane, this other promoter that, that is promoting all these other fighters and uh, he comes along and, and he offers Tommy Gunn all these worldly things, all this money, all these title shots. He's got all these women around him, these fast cars and all these different things. And so Rocky ultimately loses Tommy to worldly pleasures. But I think from here we see our job as mature Christians is to teach and mold the younger Christians. And we see this in several different cases. Elijah mentored Elisha. Jesus mentored all the disciples. Uh, Barnabas mentored Paul. And Paul mentored Timothy. And there's, there's many more, but we'll go through a couple scripture here uh, and just see what we are to do. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 is where we'll start. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, it says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Teach others also. Commit these things that you'll be able to teach others also. Hebrews 13, chapter 22 says, And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation. For I have written to you in a few words, the word of exhortation, helping others be strengthened. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
We'll read verse 1 from 1 Corinthians 11. It says, very simple verse here, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul says here, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. In my Bible, I did kind of a, a, an old school checkbox. Um, you know, that, that you see in school and it, and I wrote the words, am I imitating him? And then I have a, a box with the word some, and I have a box with the word always. And that's a note to myself that am I imitating Paul just as he imitated Christ. Acts chapter 9, read a couple verses from Acts chapter 9. Starting in verse 27, it says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. See, they weren't sure about Paul still, but Barnabas is trying to, trying to convince him here. He says, So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, talking about Paul. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So once they figured it out, Barnabas was here and he was trying to show them, look, this is what Paul had been doing. And he's been with these other Christians and he's learning from these other Christians and he actually is not who he used to be. And then our last one that we'll read is Acts 18, beginning in verse 24. It says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And so we see here several examples of others mentoring the younger Christians, others trying to teach younger Christians and teaching them the way more accurately than maybe they were taught in the beginning. And so our goal there, not to lose our young Christians to worldly pleasures. And the point that I'll throw in here with this is we only have so many years with our kids, just like we only have so many years with younger Christians before they get to a certain point where they make decisions on their own with all these whys in the road? And have we taught them the way so accurately and so consistently and so zealously that they won't veer off when it comes time for them to make that decision? They won't be enticed by those worldly pleasures as Tommy Gunn was in Rocky V. So we move on to the sixth in the series, Rocky Balboa. Um, he's very aged here um, in, in this movie. He's officially retired at the end of Rocky V. He ends up fighting Tommy Gunn on the street. 
He ends up showing Tommy Gunn that, hey, I'm still the man. Uh, I didn't teach you everything that I know. I still got a few tricks up my sleeve. It's kind of ironic because Apollo Creed said the same thing to, to Rocky in, in Rocky II after he had helped, or Rocky III after he had helped him there. And so um, Rocky's retired, no longer a fighter. Uh, his wife has died. Um, he's lost his wife. His son has been estranged, and he's reunited with his son. Uh, he goes and visits him, and they kind of connect a little bit better, which there could be a whole sermon on the, on the prodigal son there as well. Um, but he returns to fight one more time. This, this guy comes and challenges him one more time. And so being aged fighter, uh, having all, a lot of issues from that, he's, he's not fighting anymore, but he returns to fight one more time. And he also connects with a, a girl that he had talked to in the first Rocky who stood on the street corner and was involved with a lot of um, things that she shouldn't have been doing with, with some of the other kids in the streets. Um, but he kind of connects with her and he, and he kind of sees that she's doing good now. But he returns to fight one more time. And what I take from that is we are never too old to spread the gospel or serve the Lord. Revelations 2.10 says, until death. That doesn't mean when I get to a certain age, I can just uh, stop and I've done my time and I'll just sit back, take it easy, and uh, just wait on anything that's going to happen. Um, we see that we're never too old there. And then three examples that we have there. Abraham was in his 90s. Abraham wasn't this 20 or 30 year old man full of all this energy. He was in his 90s. Moses was in his 80s. And Aaron was 83. And so we see that there is no time that we can say, you know, I'm, I'm going to step back and I'm going to let somebody else try to reach the lost. Because that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says until death we are supposed to be sharing the gospel, remaining faithful, trying to reach the lost. And so that's what I take from the sixth in the series, Rocky Balboa. All that being said, I think the, 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 the six-part series for me is, is divided into, into three parts. I think Rocky one through three is all about Rocky himself, developing himself into what he needs to be. He, he goes from not being able, <clears throat> not believing in himself to maybe I can do this, to this champion that he now thinks he's so good that he can't be beat. And he sees that and he, and he falls. And so he's kind of developed from one through three, developing himself. Rocky four through six, Rocky starts to be more of an influence on others. In four, he tries to influence Apollo Creed. Look, man, don't do this, You're, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, he, he influences an entire country because of the, the, the USA-Russia thing. In Rocky V, he tries to influence Tommy Gunn to, to do things the right way. The entire movie, even when he fights him at the end, he, he's still trying to influence him to do things the right way. And then in Rocky VI, he reunites with his son. He did make mistakes, and he talks to his son about that, but he also uh, tries to influence the girl who's now older that he knew as a teenager on the streets. And so I think that's how it breaks down. So if we're past... If we're past one and three and we've developed ourselves as mature Christians, are we influencing others? <clears throat> are we doing what we're supposed to do to connect to others 
and to influence them, to spread the light to them. If we're not at four and six and we're a young Christian still, and we're still developing ourselves as a Christian, and where, where we might fit in a congregation or whatever, are we diligently trying to uh, develop ourselves? Are we diligently trying to improve our weaknesses uh, so that they become strengths and so that we'll be a more productive Christian? Um, but that's the breakdown for me. I think um, we see that in our lives as well. Ultimately, what does this have to do with anything? Well, the most famous line of Rocky is probably at the end of Rocky II. He wins the title and he shouts, Yo, Adrian, I did it. And it's, 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 it's a tearjerker for me, and my wife laughs at me when I see that, and, and I start crying. She's like, really? It's Rocky. And I'm like, yeah, it's Rocky. He did it. He won the title. And, and so he screams from the ring, yo, Adrian, I did it. So the question there in red, so I ask myself, I ask you, what about you? In the end, when, it, when the battle's all said and done, when the battle is all said and done, will you be able to, Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, will you be able to hear what was said here by Jesus? At the end, uh, here, uh, the parable of the talents, uh, he says it a couple times, but I just picked verse 23. It says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. When it's all said and done, and we go through all these battles, all these trials, all these tribulations, things that happen that maybe we, we, we don't agree with, we don't know how to handle, um, when it's all said and done, will we be able to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And that's, for me, is probably the, the scariest part, um, is, is, is will I hear that or will I not hear that? And, and I hope and pray that I do. Um, but what about you? What about you in the end? Um, when it's all said and done and judgment day arrives, uh, are you going to be able to say, I did it? Uh, now the Lord is going to decide on our lives and where our souls spend eternity. And I would think everybody would want to hear, well done and good, good and faithful servant. However, if you're not in Christ or you're not living like you should be, then chances are you probably don't hear that at the end. And you're not crowned at the end as Rocky was. So if you're not living the way you think you ought to be and you would like prayers or you're just struggling with something and you would like prayers or uh, you would like to be in Christ, there's only one way to be in Christ um, after, after we believe and, and we confess and we repent, then we're baptized into Christ as scripture says. And so that's the only way to get into Christ after you've followed that plan of salvation. So if, if that's a need of yours or any of the others is a need of yours, you can come at this time as we stand and sing.